The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager, only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, raid line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can, can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. I can't believe it. Let's open up that race line. Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USC is seven and five again. Oh no! Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Rain of Troy Radio, episode five hundred and twenty-two, coming to you on Tuesday, November twenty-first. We're going to look back at USC's loss to UCLA, talk about the fallout from it, and so much more. Here on this episode, as always, you can follow us on Twitter at Rain of Troy. Give us a call on our phone number eight one eight six four three seven two two seven. Second Whisperer Show. Show. Our email address is Rain of Troy at Fanside uh, I'm your host, Mike Garcia, journal along with my co-host in the Rain of Troy studio in Los Angeles, Elisa Deridola. Hello. Uh, we are back uh, a day late, um, but I don't think it's a bad thing. Uh, it's, you know, th- it, this is going to be a one episode week. It's a holiday week. The season's over. Now, you know, I, 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 you know. One more, one more day to process uh, what happened yeah. on Saturday, which maybe I didn't need, but uh, but also I was sick over the weekend, so so uh, yeah, I don't know that I processed very much on uh, on Saturday or Sunday or most of Monday, so yeah. Here we are. Here we are on a Tuesday, uh, a Tuesday, a day in which the uh, the new college football playoff rankings are out, and Alicia Essie is not ranked. No, SC is not ranked, but Washington is in the top four, uh, as they should be. Yeah, so number four. So that's, that's good for them, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, Oregon is number six. Florida State drops a, a drops a spot. Uh, Washington moves up after beating uh, Oregon State. Good good for the Huskies, honestly. Like, they need to be 
they should be in there. I absolutely should be in there. Um, Arizona looming at 15, hoping that Oregon State can win the Civil War up in Oregon and then uh, squeak into the Pac-12 championship game. But uh, alas, uh, SC watching from home because the Trojans could not take care of their uh, their own business this year and finish 7-5. and five. Yep, like the new intro says. Oh, no. Oh. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. Either way, um, who, who are you pulling for in, in the Pac-12 as it stands right now, by the way? Uh, Oregon State. Uh, I, I, well, I. Oregon State can't win, win it, but they can, they can wreck havoc. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I'm pulling for. I'm, yeah. I'm pulling for, I shouldn't because, I don't know. I, sh- I don't know. It's, it's very difficult because I don't have the SEC, SEC mindset of like, it's good that USC's rivals are stronger and thus have better recruiting and and all of like all of that kind of stuff like yeah. part of me wants the Pac-12 to do the very Pac-12 thing of imploding and cannibalizing itself which it's already sort of you know moved towards this year for sure I wouldn't mind seeing it in the, in this final week uh but uh yeah if I have to choose between Washington and Oregon I'll I'll, I'll go with Washington I love as I've, I've been a huge fan of Kalen DeBoer so I I am on board with Washington um, winning the Pac-12 if if anybody's got to do it, but uh, but also, eh, eh. can is yeah. Arizona still Arizona still alive in this? Yeah, if um, if Oregon State wins, Arizona goes to the Pac-12 championship game. Uh, I, I believe. I, I think there's there's a weird tiebreaker scenario, but I think it leans Arizona. Uh, Kenny in the chat is pulling for for UW. Uh, artist formerly known as Brony Jarrett Brody says, "Can I say Oregon? I think they could beat Georgia. I th- I think Oregon pound from pound might be the might be the best team. Um, but either way, I think I think it's going to be fun to see uh, how it all." goes uh and finishes if arizona ultimately gets the pac-12 championship game that might be one of the best storylines because they would be the ultimate sleeper pick yeah and you can be a sleeper pick too because usc fans have you heard of sleeper daily fantasy sleeper hosts daily fantasy prop games that you can compete for a chance to win big cash prizes the game is simple for each contest you're given a pool of props for upcoming games across different sports you pick whether each prop will be over or under given the total you can choose up to eight different props for a chance at a bigger win if you want to join in on the action we've got you covered sign up with our promo code fansided2 today and receive a bonus match of up to 100 bucks using the code fansided2 Fansided 2, F-A-N-S-I-D-E-D, and the number 2. When signing up, not only gives you this great reward, but it helps directly support the podcast. So make sure you get your phone out, take a little picture of the QR code that's over on the screen, or make sure to use the code Fansided 2 when you sign up. The offer uh, only available to new customers who are 18 plus and physically present in valid states. Please remember to always game responsibly and check the episode description for the full terms of the offer. Uh, Alicia, we got a bunch to get to, though. Uh, Let's get to the news, shall we?
right. Let's start with the update on the defensive coordinator search. Uh, from our buddy Shotgun Spratlin over at uscfootball.com, uh, quoted Lincoln Riley from Trojans Live on Monday night. Quote, this is USC. You're going to have the chance to go and hire just about anybody that you want. We want people who have a proven track record and people who have done this at a high level and have shown a consistent level of excellence. Uh, Alicia, I know people are out on Lincoln Riley press conferences and Lincoln Riley quotes and all those things, but he's saying the right thing here, right? Like this is, this is what you want to hear. I mean, this is all coach speak too. Sure. Uh, it's just yeah. sort of scratching the, the itch that, that you want to hear. I think the, this, the health of the program really does depend on what USC does here. Does USC, go back to its old ways of, of just sort of falling on the familiar or does USC swing for the fences the way it did with Lincoln Riley? And I think that there are names being thrown about right now that would suggest that USC is that, that USC as a program uh, as an athletic department headed by Jen Cohen mm-hmm. is continuing forward with the same mindset that we saw um was turned around at USC under um, Mike Sosna slash, you know, uh, Mike Bone slash Brandon Sosna. I was going to say, who's Mike Sosna? Yeah. <laughs> Mike Bone slash Brandon Sosna. Yeah. Um, that took a hiring process very, very seriously and didn't count USC out of anybody. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that we need to see who USC is able to get on the line but the names that are out there right now are rather encouraging, I would say, because I wouldn't have gone into the DC search expecting at least one of the names that that has been heavily rumored to even take a call from USC. So yeah, uh, let's let's get into that a little bit here. Uh, Ryan Cartry of the LA Times tweeted that a lot of rumors flying around USC's pursuit of a defensive coordinator. Don't be surprised if the search extends into next week. It's a holiday week, plus plenty of D.C. options are still coaching for the respective teams this weekend. Coach, you didn't go into any specifics there, but I, I think it's obvious. Of, of guys who are coaching currently, um, anybody who currently has the defensive coordinator job, like one of the guys that we've talked about a lot that I personally think would be a great candidate, Trent Bray over at Oregon State. He has a game this week, right? Uh, I know people have talked about like uh, Morgan Scally. He has a game this week. Um, anybody like Dave, Dave Aranda. Is, Dave Aranda is has a game this, this week. Uh, Manny uh, Diaz has a game this week. There's yeah. a bunch of dudes. The, the Indiana t- uh, Tim Allen, uh, Tom Allen. Yeah. Most coaches who yeah. have a job have a game this week. So yeah. um, more than likely, it was always going to be until next week. However, there was a tweet from Ryan Phillips of the big lead. Um, uh, that says, uh, I just had it right here. Uh, USC plans to have a defensive coordinator in place by the end of the week at the latest. Significant staff shakeup coming as well, to which uh, Jason Shear of Wildcat Authority said, yep, just got a text from my guy Leonard and Collins, the leader in the clubhouse. So I, I don't know how much to, to, to how much stock to put on all of this. It, it's all rumor mill kind of stuff here. Um, we, we've not gotten any specifics about who's exactly interviewed, who's exactly done this, who's exactly done that. Um, but Leonard, 
meaning Jim Leonard, the former um, defensive coordinator over at, at Wisconsin, Wisconsin, uh, go Badgers, and uh, Collins, meaning Jeff Collins, the former head coach at Georgia Tech. He was previously the defensive coordinator at Florida uh, and before that, Mississippi State. Those are two guys that have been, you know, mentioned here by Jason Cheer. But like, what, what, uh, what, what, what goes through your mind right now? I like that USC is being linked to Jim Leonard. Yeah. I like that the rumor mill is swirling about Jim Leonard, and it's. I also like, and this is this is going to be um, uh, sort of incongruous, like. I like that there isn't a lot of chatter about USC's defensive court. Like we said, as we were putting together the rundown, let's go through and and find, you know, whatever tweets we can find from, from people with some semblance of credibility. You know, Jason Shear is not connected to USC, but he was on everything that was happening with the PAC 12 and the big, big 12 and and everything like that. So, you know, he, he's got sources and, um, and, Ryan Cartier sources and you know all of these kinds of things try and find any any of the chatter and let's see what what we can sort of throw together right. and there isn't a lot of chatter there really isn't a lot of like chatter uh, in in front of you um but the chatter that is there is all centered I think around the the few names that that we've heard the the Jim Leonard and the and the Jeff Collins and to be frank both of those would be solid. I mean Jim Jim Leonard would be a huge huge statement making hire because he is one of the top names on the market. Like this was a guy that the Green Bay Packers were trying to get to come be their defensive coordinator a couple of years ago. So Yeah. um and, and and Jeff Collins is I mean realistically could be this year's Manny Diaz. <laughs> um the failed head coach route after being a, a strong defensive coordinator. Jeff Collins clearly not a good head coach. Uh, but he was a very, very good uh, defensive coordinator in the SEC and elsewhere for a long time. So uh, yeah. a reclamation product uh, project in that sense, but one that I always like going after the failed head coaches a la like Dave Miranda or mm-hmm. you can look at like Zach Arnett because you don't get promoted. Most people don't get promoted to a head coaching position unless they've done really good things as a coordinator first. Um, yeah. So those names, those are the names that are being thrown out there, and those are serious candidates that USC is looking at. Um, USC has been, you know, rumored around a guy to to be talking or trying to pursue a guy like Morgan Scally, who is, he's got a problematic background, but also he's one of the best defensive coordinators in the country and has been for a while. And that is the kind of target that um, maybe not, the individual I want USC to target, but the kind of profile the, that I want USC to be looking it's at. It's the football profile. Yes. Yes. So we talked about it before. I, I don't think SC should go after Morgan Scally because of the off field stuff. I don't know. Maybe that, maybe that's a little too pearl clutchy. I don't know whatever you want to call it, but like I, I, but yeah, if you're I, going to gauge, if you are going to go gauge Morgan, which what I read about the Morgan Scally rumors is it's just that USC went and gauged the interest, which if you're going to go gauge Morgan Scally's interest, I think you have also, maybe USC actually did gauge Pete uh, Kwiatkowski's interest. Maybe they did go gauge, you know, other yeah. sitting and 
uh, effective and respected DCs that are out there to yeah. make a quote unquote lateral move and see what USC can can yeah, entice. It, it's not like the names here are Ed Ogeron no. or Clancy Pendergast, or, and it's not and it's not even with with literally with literally all due respect because I love the guy. It's not like Danton Lynn kind of yeah. names. It, it's uh, you know what what uh, Lincoln Riley talked about is the the proven track record and the the consistent high level and and all of that kind of stuff. Like USC isn't being linked to hot shot, yeah, I, flat, potentially flash in the pan kind of DCs. I, I would say though Jim Leonard is very much in the Danton Lynn profile. I mean, um, to with a, the to ex- a point. with the the difference being that Jim Leonard. Was around Wisconsin, yeah, for yeah. Uh, for a few years. Oh, if DeAnton Lynn was was a couple years down the line into his defensive coordinator uh, experience, I would yeah, be well, all he, over if, that. If, if DeAnton Lynn was was at UCLA for like three years, three four years, yeah, he would essentially be Jim Leonard. Yeah, yeah, and I would be I would be screaming from the rooftops if he if he was able to replicate his success over the, over that three year period. Yeah, uh, to be after him and. Frankly, if USC ended up with him as the defensive coordinator, I think they uh, there are names that would excite me less. I suppose is, is what I would say. I mean, um, I, yeah, I, I think that either way, I think you want someone who is competent. You want someone who checks as many boxes as you can. We talked about our criteria uh, last week. Um, all those things that you want, you want someone who has a reputation for developing guys. Uh, someone with with experience in a in a top defense, ideally someone at, who's done it at multiple stops, etc. Uh, and these names are dudes that check a lot of those boxes. And I think that is encouraging, um, and I think it would work towards dispelling sort of the narrative that Lincoln Riley doesn't care about defense. Well, uh, you know how you prove that you don't that you do care about defense? You go out there and you hire a guy that everybody wants. Um, Jim Leonard is a guy that people wanted last year. And he, uh, I, I won't say took a sabbatical, but he basically took a sabbatical uh, by being just a, an analyst for his buddy, Brett Bielema, Illinois this year, right? Like he's not a defensive coordinator. He didn't take a head coaching job. Um, and he is one of the most sought after guys in America at, in uh, the, the DC ranks. So yeah, I, I think this is a step in the right direction. We'll see what the final outcome is as things go on, whether it's something that we figure out before Thanksgiving or after. Um, it'll be interesting. Peter in the I, chat says next week at the latest because you don't want this to run into the portal. Yeah, yes. ideally sooner than, than later. But if it's someone who's coaching right now this week, um, then you've got to wait. And sooner look, look no, no different than two years ago when SC had to wait for Lincoln Riley. Yeah, here's what I would, here's, I guess, how I would frame it. If it's Jim Leonard, I think there's a strong argument to say, if he's ready to go now, go now. But I also think Jim, I don't know why Jim Leonard would pull the trigger on that this early. If he might be, like, why wouldn't he potentially get a look or get a shot at head coach openings that open up sure. after yeah. after this coming weekend? So. If Jim Leonard, if today Jim Leonard said, I want to be the defensive coordinator at USC, I'd be saying, yeah, go ahead and do it. Um, otherwise, like, huh? I wouldn't make a Jeff Collins hire right now. I would wait until the weekend and see how 
um, how the weekend shakes out. And the the problem is the recruiting stuff. Though. It like, is. It I, is. But I I know it, it, the most important thing is to get the hire right. So to to your point, like you do want to get I'm the not, hire right. I'm not necessarily saying you have to like you might have to exclude guys who are involved in conference title games um, by saying we're but no late. You will not wait two weeks. But right. I think you can wait this weekend and still have that that run into the uh to signing day yeah. and still have enough time and say that patience was yeah, a virtue there. What what I'm saying is that I know there was a lot of chatter early in this week and early in this week I had a feeling that like if something didn't happen in the first two days of this week, then that might be a bad sign. I no longer feel that way. I the more I think about it, the more I look at the timing, the more I look at the the what, candidate pool. What changed your mind? Um, number one, thinking about what's the best case scenario for this week, it would be to hire Jim Leonard and what Jim Leonard's timeline might be. And I couldn't piece into my head why, if you are Jim, Jim Leonard, you would agree to be USC's defensive coordinator on November 21st, if by November 28th, you are getting calls about being a head coach. Yeah. Um, And number two, thinking about guys like Trent Bray and guys like, Manny Diaz and guys like Dave Aranda and gauging their interest um, specifically because I was thinking like, okay, what if it is just Jeff Collins? Like if it is just Jeff Collins, wait and find out if Dave Aranda becomes available before you make that. Yeah. Like the way I, I, yes, I'm with you because I don't think your options should solely be dudes that are available right now today. Yeah. You know, like I yeah. like I I I don't I don't know. Yeah. Um, want to give a big thank you to Alex for the Alex. super chat. Alex coming in the clutch as as always. You're the best. Um, touchdown USC says you need a DC with a solid Rolodex. Yes, uh, I, that's I, a very good point too because this is the thing. Your head coach is only as good as their coordinators. Your coordinators are only as good as their staff. Yeah, and you need a good staff. So yeah, yeah. and if. If Lincoln Riley is going to be the the head coach that has the most purview over the offense and delegate the defense basically entirely entirely then yeah then you need you need that defensive coordinator to be able to have the power and the ability to go out and duplicate their hire by hiring all the staff underneath them absolutely mm-hmm. Ryan in the chat says uh, Leonard is a safe hire, but he did inherit 20 years of success at Wisconsin. Um, defensively, a conference known for a lack of offensive proficiency. Yes, I think that this is a concern about Jim Leonard. Um, one of the things that we talked about when we talked about criteria, one of the important aspects uh, of the things that we'd love to have, like not necessarily a need to have, but a love to have aspect is you want to see success at multiple stops because it kind of takes away the idea of inheriting something, starting on third base kind of deal, right? You, I think you can make the argument that every defensive coordinator that Wisconsin has had over the last couple decades has been great. Justin Wilcox was there for a year and was great. Dave Aranda was great there. Uh, Jim Leonard has been great there. Like, I think the the success of Dave Aranda and Justin Wilcox elsewhere 
as DCs kind of kind of works to dispel the notion that Jim Leonard is just completely propped up by a good situation. But I understand the hesitancy there. I also think that the I, I, I swear the the more I think about it, the older I get and the more I think about like the national statistics, I think that we need to look at things from a conference perspective mm-hmm. and isolate those things. So I earlier today I went in terms of total defense um, in the Big Ten against conference opponents only. So yes, uh, Ryan's right. The the Big Ten is not known for offensive proficiency. Um, we can we can talk about the physicality of Michigan and Ohio State, but at the same time, there is an Iowa in the conference that is content with winning games nine to six if if they can, right? And they're totally fine with that. Well, so let's sort the the Big Ten conference leaders in conference games only. So you're only playing the same teams. And if you do that, uh, in 2021, for instance, Wisconsin, uh, yards per play allowed, number one in the conference, in conference play alone at 4.23, a full half yard under Penn State. Half yard less per play. Uh, than the number two team, which is Penn State. 2022, the year that Paul Chris gets fired, uh, Wisconsin in that stat is fifth in the conference uh, at 4.91, a half yard behind Iowa, who is number one. So, yeah, I think there was a slight step back last year for, for Wisconsin. But you look at 2021, uh, 2020, 2022, Wisconsin was second. Um, so... Yeah, in terms, I, I of, in terms of scoring defense, uh, one, two, three, four, five. There are six years of, of Jim Leonard as the defensive coordinator. Three of the six years they were top two in scoring defense in the Big Twelve, in the Big Ten against Big Ten opposition. Yeah, um, and I'll also add too that USC is going to be in the Big Ten next year. Like, yeah, yeah. So knowing the Big Ten, it would be a big help as well. Yeah, one one hundred percent. Jeff says, I, "I just hope that Jen Cohen is a part of the process. The person that retained Grinch for six years after not ac- uh, accomplishing anything good and after regressing does not inspire confidence." Y- yeah, I, I I don't know that we know too much about the 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 whole process, um, but also I think the best scenario is that it's. I understand. I I think I agree. I think that. Jen Cohen should be involved. I think that there should be whoever Jen Cohen's Brandon Sosna is should be involved. Uh, at the same time, I think you also want Lincoln Riley to be able to recognize his mistakes in the past and be able to learn from those and make the hire himself, right? Like you, you the, the worst case scenario, and, and mind you, this isn't the... I guess this isn't the worst case scenario because let, let's just say that Jen Cohen's the one standing here and saying hire Jim Leonard uh, and uh, Lincoln Riley is like, um, I was thinking of hiring uh, Clancy Pendergast. Like, let's say that that's the scenario. Well, at least you have Jim uh, or Jen Cohen there to to aim him in the right direction. But I think that the best case scenario is that Lincoln Riley has come to the conclusion that no, I need to hire Jim Leonard because, or a Jim Leonard level coach, yeah, because 
I made this mistake. I made this mistake. I saw that this didn't work. And now I'm correcting those things because that shows development, right? Yeah. I mean, and that's, you have to give him room to, to grow and learn and change and understand where he put his foot wrong before and what he needs to do now. Like you have to give him that opportunity because he's your head coach for the foreseeable future and you believe in him at the very least as an, as an offensive mind. Um, yeah. You gotta, you gotta see like it, it's. Yeah. You, yeah. I, I, I've, I've said it before, but you have much bigger problems if Jen Cohen has to come in and dictate who the coordinator is. Yeah. Uh, one, one, 100%. Um, Jeff in the chat says, I like to see Leonard stats against Penn state, Ohio state and Michigan, not the big 10 West bottom feeders. I, I just pulled up Ohio state's um, statistics really quick. We can look into this further, especially if Jim Leonard ends up being yeah, the guy. If, that, if he gets hired, we're going to do, but just a, just a quick cursory glance. Wisconsin has not played Ohio State much. Um, Ohio State in 2022 dropped 52 on Wisconsin. That's also the year that Paul Chris gets fired. Um, and that was the most recent year that Jim Leonard was there. Uh, they got they had 7.7 yards per play, which is not good. Uh, in 2019, uh, Ohio State is held by Wisconsin to 5.99 yards per play, which was the second lowest of the season. The, the, it was only, um, Wisconsin and Penn state that held Ohio state to under six yards per play. Um, and Wisconsin, um, or Ohio state still somehow scored 38 points in that game. So yeah, I, we will analyze those numbers more as we, as, as we get, as we go on, especially if Leonard ends up being that guy, but, uh, we will see, we will see. Um, Alicia, let's talk about USC and UCLA. The Trojans, uh, I know, I know, I know. This is the... We it, have to. I, it's the SC-UCLA fallout episode. We got to. <sighs> Trojans lose uh, 38-20, a game in which I, I think the... I, I always like to think, does the score represent what happened? Does it for you? Because I think that it's yes and no at the same time. It, yeah, I think it does more or less. Um, it, it was just one of those games where, like, simultaneously, I feel like Essie was blown out, but also not at the same time, or because you know you have the you have the fumble, like like, and and in that case, eighteen points and thirty eight twenty sort of makes sense. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, it's, the game felt closer than 18 points in that it felt like USC was on the verge of getting back into it for long stretches and then it blew open and then it was just like, okay, but, well, that's that. But it also felt like they were down 50 at one point. Yeah, yeah. So again, yeah. I like it, it's... I, I thought the best comparison, um, it, it ended up being a lot like the Notre Dame game, which was very similar in terms of, you know, what the score looked like and, and what it felt like, right? Um, but I thought one of the best comparisons was from our friend Trent, who said that this was kind of like the... 
the 2017 Cotton Bowl. And yeah, that's I, a perfect I, I think example. there's a lot of comparisons because the the 2017 Cotton Bowl, SC loses that game. Was it 24 to seven? I think that is a game SC loses by 17 points. In most instances, that's not a winnable game. Um, but how the game went, SC was was competitive to the point that they should have been more competitive, but they also weren't remotely competitive because they weren't they were losing the line of scrimmage on every single play, uh, to the point where you 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 sit there and you go, also they had no chance in this game. And it's like simultaneously that both of those things sort of exist. And I think that part of the reason that that you know you end up in that situation is you get there's a defensive touchdown that kind of kind of adds some some points there, you know, like. Yeah, I I think that's a perfect perfect example. Whether it's whether it's like a defensive touchdown or a special teams touchdown or mm-hmm. or a just a. It can provide separation, an, ex- an explosive yeah. play on offense that just comes out of nowhere, and and suddenly you're you're right there, and and that's sort of what I was getting at is that USC was was substantively blown out, while also preventing it from being a true, you know, pasting, um, I, right, the like, true jiggle bagging as it as it were. It was it was. Was sort of a jiggle bag. I mean, like they were down 13 at one point. Substantively, yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. It's like the the product on the field. UCLA was that was UCLA was this much better than USC in this game yeah. from start to finish. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it this was not a fluke on a on a play by play basis. UCLA no, was no. better than USC in no. the, in this game. I I think we we can sit here and talk about the the areas of where like if SC was going to be able to. Uh, be put in a place to have a better outing in this game. I think I think there's a pathway there. It's finishing off your drives in the red zone, which SC did not do. Mm-hmm. If they finish off those drives with touchdowns, and if they don't turn the ball over, um, this game is a completely different story. But those are the, that is the story of the game, and they did do those things. And when you do do those things, you're not going to win games. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it more often than not ends up in a position to where you can't overcome those things because this wasn't like the Cal game where what Cal turned the ball over four times and SC, you know, still won, but Cal had the chance to win. SC turned over the ball a bunch of times, but that prevented their ability from truly competing in this game to the best ability that they could have. Um, Because I think, yes, I think SC could have won this game if, I mean, even despite losing the line of scrimmage, had they finished off their drives, had they played cleanly and they'd done all those things, they it would but it would have still been a difficult, ugly, close game that wouldn't have been satisfying to anybody. It, it could have been Arizona. It could have it, been a Arizona. Game, a game sure. where USC lost the battle in the trenches, certainly offensively. Yes. Uh, but by the sheer will of, of well, we talked about before, playmaking... We, we talking about in the car cast, this could have been the Utah game. Yeah, yeah. If to a T. Yeah, in in terms of of USC overcoming the fact that that uh, they were outplayed on the line. Yeah. Yes, yeah, because Caleb Williams and your skill position talent theoretically give you that opportunity. Yes, but the it, problem it didn't is happen. Caleb Williams throws an interception. Mm-hmm. Marshawn Lloyd fumbles the ball. Right. Brendan Rice fumbles the ball. 
and you have all of you have all of the red zone stuff and everything like that. So it's a game that's within USC's reach, but only by the sheer bailout ability of the star players on offense. Uh, when you lose the game, and the, and this is the, and this is the issue of this entire season, right? The difference yeah. between this season and last season is that when USC was in the positions where the defense wasn't able to get stops and the game was put on the knife's edge of whether or not Caleb saves you or or your run game saves you or whatever it is, mm-hmm. um, they felt this way uh, one way in 2022 yeah. and they felt the op- completely opposite way in 2023 because USC has games where they commit three-plus turnovers and yeah. lose to their rivals by double-digit points. Yeah. Yeah, the, the turnovers did not go in their way. Um, and I think the overall, like, flat effort, lack mm-hmm. of effort that we saw in this game plays a big role in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and SC couldn't overcome those things. And it was a sign of, yeah, I think it's a, a sign of coaching on both sides of the ball. SC could not could not get the, the key stops when they absolutely needed those to be there. Um, and they could not absolutely get the... the uh, the, the key red zone scores when they needed those. And in a game in which you're getting outplayed on the lines, you need to come through in every little crucial moment. Uh, and they could not do those. Um, before we get to over-under, uh, we got rants to play, but also want to get to another another super chat from Alex. Thank you. Cheers. That says, uh, LR, LR, Lincoln Riley is really smart. Smart people learn from their mistakes. Lincoln Riley will make the right hire this time. I... I think that that's that's the hope from the SC perspective, 100%. Will that be the case? We're going to have to see. I I just, I'm with Alex here. Um, If it turns out that Lincoln Riley is a fraud and and all of that, whatever, that people have been, I think, overreacting um, this week, then the proof of that will not have been this year. It will have been the future years that prove that yeah. uh, to me, this is, this is a bad year for him. That should be a learning and growing year. Uh, and to write off the program or write off the coach or write off anything after a seven and five season, I just think is, is pure madness. Um, uh, I, I think you have to give him the opportunity to go out and hire a new defensive coordinator and get the defense right and give him time to get, the uh, to get the offensive line right and the offense uh, to sort of be the the whole roster. USC tried a big roster flip. They flipped the roster. It doesn't always work exactly the way that you hope in in flipping the roster. And um, you got to settle in and build a program. And that's one of the things that I think I'm on board with is I am tired of coaching hires. I am tired of of the circus around USC. I am ready for somebody to come in and be given the time to build a program because they deserve that time. My issue with Clay Helton is that he was given time to build a program when he should have never been hired in the first place. USC made the correct hire. Now let that hire build a program. Right. Yeah, I I I agree. I, I think the 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 thing here is you know, SC tried to build this this team, especially on defense, through the transfer portal. Um, and I understand the hesitancy that people have over that. 
but go look at what Oregon's defense is. Go look at what UCLA's defense is. Two teams that really gave SC fits defensively the last two weeks, right? Those teams are, those defenses are built through the transfer portal. Uh, Oregon had six of their 11 starters against ASU on defense were from the transfer portal. Uh, UCLA's like practically their entire defense is from the, the transfer portal. Layatu Latu uh, from Washington, the Murphy brothers from, from North Texas. Like the list goes on, right? Like they're, they're key players all from the transfer portal. So I think SC could have, could have nailed it absolutely from the transfer portal, especially when you look at, they did that on offense, right? Like especially mm-hmm. last year. They, they did that on offense. Why couldn't they have done that on defense? I think they could have if if the coaching was better, if the yeah. if the scheme was better, if the if the play calling was better, if the the weekly preparation was better, if all those things were better. I don't think it's the transfer portal that is the problem. It's it was the coaching that mm-hmm. was 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 the problem, which yeah. I think is is sort of the 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 encouraging thing going forward because that means that the transfer portal is still an option to success. Like it, it's still yeah. a pathway forward. Um, you can still, you know, build your defense, um, you know, through the transfer portal and through homegrown recruiting. You want to ideally do all both of those things, especially since you got to recruit on three fronts. Now it's no longer a one front recruiting, you know, War. It's a three fronts. You're recruiting your own guys to stay. You're recruiting your recruits, your high school recruits, and you're recruiting transfers. Yeah, and you have to do all three all three of those things capably in order for this to work out. Yeah, and you also have to understand that sometimes guys that you think will hit will miss, and and you'll be left, you know, with less than than you expected. But you got to keep plugging away at it until you get the right fits. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ryan in the chat says the offensive line has to be built through the high school ranks. I, I, I think so. Yeah. I, I, you can supplement. I think that's the, that's the most difficult spot to, to get with the transfer portal stuff, especially you can't build the entire line through the transfer portal, which is, which is what SC was trying to do last year. I think what you can do in terms of offensive line though, um, that I will be looking to see if USC does this, which is a little bit tough because of the nature of the position, but, um, if you can find offensive linemen who are on the younger side, like I think you can bring in, you can expect to fill a gap with a sort of grad transfer offensive lineman. You can't rebuild your whole offensive line with those kinds of guys. But I would be interested if USC supplements its youthful depth with more guys like Emmanuel Pregnon, who is a young offensive lineman yeah. Who is G- getting getting transfer guys with term, right? Yes, yeah, exactly. Uh but that's still you are still in a process that I I I agree uh with the broader point which is that you need to recruit your offensive line strongly right. out of the high school ranks and then supplement it with the transfer portal. Where at other positions, other areas of the field, you can literally just grab a bunch of guys from the transfer portal and plug them in and coach them well. But- and have success. Where on the offensive line, I, I it does seem to be an issue of uh, development. Yeah. 
Well, also, I, I think it's important to that you want the the ideal transfer portal guys you want to get just in general are dudes with term. Uh, I think it's I think it's great to add a a um, an Addison that you can bring in for you know plug and play at one spot mm-hmm. uh, here and there a Makai Blackman that but you got to get one every year that that can you know come in and and be the one year guy and and plug in a spot where you know that they can come in and do that thing but look at UCLA the the Murphy twins they are multiple year transfers from North Texas uh Latu multiple years right and that's what you want to see from Bear Alexander um that's what Anthony Lucas yeah a- Anthony Lucas like I think those are in line with what you want to be able to do Trek on Fagans yeah and and now the key is to develop those guys mm-hmm. uh as it goes going forward so yeah we will see uh we'll see what happens um with with all of those things but you guys called in to the rant line after USC's loss to UCLA. Here's what you guys had to say. Hey, Rana Troy. This is L.A. Fred calling. This is Tony from Denora, PA. Greg from D.C. Johnny from Tennessee. This is Spoonie from L.A. again. Well, you can't blame it on Alice Grinstead's side. I mean, fair play calling, turnovers, penalties. Defense was not good. The offensive line was just atrocious all game. And you, you guys talk about it all week, how good UCLA defense was. So we could not afford to get off to a slow start. And then we just gave him a short field the whole first quarter. I don't know whether it's on the players or whether it's on the coaches. The Trojans are not ready to play when they come out of the tunnel for big games. And if he continues to have these same type of issues on the offensive side of the ball, that means he may be on the hot seat. I'm going to point some of the finger directly at Lincoln Riley. Not only for keeping Alex Grinch when he should have been gone last year after the Tulane game, but his offense the second half of this season has been horrible. I don't know if anybody else is going to admit it, but we got rid of Grinch. Now it seems that Lincoln Raleigh hasn't been playing his part. Hey, guys. Yeah, Jeff in Copenhagen. Remember what I said earlier on this year that I swear I saw uh, Clay Helton's ghost on the sideline? Well, he has possessed Lincoln Riley. This is a friggin' joke. Absolute joke. Goodbye, Lincoln Riley. Fire him now. Fire Riley is not, is not ridiculous anymore. I told you so. Remember I spoke about Lincoln Riley back in the past when I said back in week six, week seven, I said I predicted that USC record was going to wind up seven and five. Oh, I can't believe USC is seven and five again. Oh, no. Embarrassing. All of us anticipated big, great things this year. And we were all, the air just went out of the balloon on this thing, and it just kept going out, and there was no way to solve it. We are in trouble now. I don't have any more to give right now. I need a little break. Hopefully, we all have a good week. Enjoy your Thanksgiving, and fight on, everybody. Fight on. Take care. Fight on. Fight on. Always love the show. Fight on. Thanks for the calls, everybody. Lisa, what are your thoughts about the rant line? When people ask us why we are constantly responding to the Fire Riley chat, <laughs> I present my evidence. Um, yeah, I I will stand by it. I think that you that the um, the USC fan base is scarred from the Clay Helton era, and it's scarred from too many conversations with Oklahoma fans uh, being forced upon them after the Lincoln Riley hire. Uh, I think it's I I. 
empathize completely with being done. This season was not fun. The season was a drain. It was actively the opposite of fun. It sucked. Um, So I don't, so so I, I get the, I get the feelings of, of, uh, of just being really out on the whole thing and, and, and being down. But I will continue to say that if you think that the solution to put USC on track is to fire Lincoln Riley after two seasons, when USC went through six years of Clay Hilton, uh, a circus of a, of a firing with Sar- Steve Sarkeesian, a circus of a firing with, with Lane Kiffin, um, and... You, you you think that USC will be in a better position for having just said, screw it, we're done with the objectively great hire that we made after one bump in the road. Um, I think you are... You Big are, bump in the road, though. I mean, it was a bump in the road, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any question that it was a bump in, a, a a bump in the road. Yeah, 100%. Sinkhole? One that needs to be responded to. Um, No, a a sinkhole is is way worse than seven and five. (laughs) Um, But, uh, you know, it just, just, this this reminds me of of Lane Kiffin, to be honest, because 2011 was almost too good, and then people expected a ton from 2012, and everything went wrong in 2012, and USC fell flat on its face and then 2013 rolls around and Pat Hayden makes, in my opinion, what continues to look like the horrendous decision um, to prematurely fire Lane Kiffin uh, on, from a team that was, that went out and showed it was capable of winning 10 games and set the program into a motion of just, you know, catastrophe after catastrophe after catastrophe, instead of recognizing that in the wake of the Pete Carroll era, your new head coach under sanctions was going to need time to build their program and to settle things and to and to figure things out and everything like that. And um, by not showing that level of patience with Lane Kiffin, you set USC off on this trajectory. And then USC turns around and is overly patient with Clay Helton, which is super frustrating. But like, you want to know what like a sinkhole is? A sinkhole is five and seven. <laughs> Which is what USC was in 2018. Is there that big of a difference between five and seven and seven and five? I don't think there is. Yes, yes, there is. There is a massive difference between five and seven and seven, seven and five. Well, considering that SC went one and five in the last six games, and the one win was a one point win on the road against a Cal team that had a third string quarterback, it was a good time. I don't think there's a big difference. No, I'm not arguing it was a good time at all. But when you also look at two of those, two, how many of those losses were to top twenty-five teams? How many of those losses no, were to top y- ten teams? Sure, like, I, I, right. I no. get, I get that you want USC to be, and and I'm not. Again, I'm not. The, I'm, the expectations for this season, when you have a yeah. Heisman-winning Trophy quarterback on uh, on your hand and an offense that's as good as we know that USC's can be, um, the expectations were were reasonable, and um, and were in a position where. Seven and five is a massive failure on that front. Yeah, but se- but again, like also we're talking levels. Mark says one point and we're six and six. Yeah, Kenny says five and seven if Arizona goes for two. Yeah, yeah. like 
Uh, yeah, but you know, four and eight. If Colorado gets gets uh, you can the, be, the timing right on that last drive, you can be Lincoln Riley and pull it going the other way and say that USC is how close to being ten and two. Well, I mean, if the defense sure. gets one stop, if but, the, but if like, the you know all, all of these what ifs and everything like that. What what I'm saying is that the, the what ifs go both ways. It, well, sure, yes. yes. And what I'm and what, again, what I'm saying is that like yes, but what I keep going back to is that USC's defense was the literally the worst defense in program history. Yeah. The worst defense in program history, and you go 7-5, and five, it doesn't sound so... Alicia, you know the only good thing about football season being over? There's literally nothing good about the football season being over. It's just an endless wait until the fall. See, that's where you're wrong. It's tournament season. The best way to take your mind off the endless wait. That is true. I may not want to watch the men play, but the USC women are pretty awesome. Exactly, but it's not just SC. There's high-stake basketball moments all over the country. But you know what? They get even better with prize picks. So you're saying the only thing better than watching Juju Watkins is taking the more on Juju Watkins. Bingo. You can now turn your hoops knowledge and love of Juju Watkins into serious cash. Because you can now win up to 100 times your money on prize picks with as little as four correct picks. Turn 10 bucks into a thousand bucks with college basketball, NBA, and NHL entries. Best of all, Prize Picks lets you get on the action on more than 30 states across the country, including Texas, Georgia, and California. That sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, download the app today and use the code Rain of Troy for a first deposit match up to $100. That's the Prize Picks app with the code Rain of Troy for the first deposit match of up to $100. Pick more. Pick less. It's that easy. Well, bad anymore. The worst defense in program history should have you being 2 and 10. Like but USC has a 41 point offense and the the you know Caleb Williams and and all of this kind of stuff. So when it comes down to it, it was a bad season objectively, but not the kind of season that you can't turn around from and rebuild from well, and get better. And like, yeah, like because I, like, people are people are giving up when they shouldn't be giving up. It, like, if you're gonna give up after two years, then 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 do you want USC to be changed? You want to, you want USC to be a Premier League team that want to be Chelsea that changes managers every every eighteen hey, months? Poch is gonna work. Poch is gonna work. Uh, okay, so I, I I'm I'm with you. I, I I think that you know we we talked about it before. This is this is what happens when you have a a coach that doesn't win something in the first two years. You fire the coordinators after year two. Uh, and you go from there, and you you hope that those changes are the are the ones that you need. Um, and if I I do think that if Lincoln Riley had a great defensive coordinator who was coaching up the defense, if he that, had a a if he if USC's defense, we said this going into the season, and it was and it proved to be more or less true. If USC's defense was a top fifty defense, USC is probably ten and two right now. Yes, but the defense but, but, was but the see, worst defense see, in the history of the program. No, I, no wonder the record was shitty. Right, but <laughs> I, I, I think the, the problem is, yes, I think you can make the argument that, you know, it, it would be easier to sit here and say that if the defense was better, SC would be the Penn State of the Pac-12. That would be easier to buy if the if that was the case, 
But if SC had a better defense, the games that you're talking about still being those two losses are to Notre Dame and to UCLA, which are not the Oregon and the Washington games. It'd be one thing if it was just you got outclassed by Oregon and Washington, which are top five teams, uh, and you were the Penn State, right? Like it, that, I, would be, that would be one ha- thing if that was the, the case, but that's not the case of where SC was this year, right? Like the where 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 SC was was they played up and down to their opponent. Like yeah, I I think that you know one of their best games on offense, if not their best game on offense all season, was against the best opponent that SC played, which was Washington, right? Yeah. So they played up to them on offense, but the defense was horrible, like yeah. atrociously bad, right? They they played down to Cal. They played down to, to Colorado in the second half. They played down to ASU. Like the problem is that SC played too many close games yeah. and didn't exert their will in all those things. And if they had a better defense, I think that they would have been in a position to be able to control games better. And I think the we talked about it a million times over. Uh, look at what UCLA did this past year, and that shows that if you get the DC higher right, you can fix a lot of things uh, defensively, and suddenly your game control can be so much better, which UCLA's game control and their season would have been better if they would have had the offense to pair with that defense, and they didn't this year, which is why Chip Kelly's going to get fired because his offense took a huge step back. Well, and, I mean, and, and, and uh, I, the, the chatter is... is uh, maybe going away from that direction. But but they all, their offense took a big step back. I don't think that... Um, I think SC's offense this year took a step back when you talk about the offensive line and whatnot. But, you know, I, I don't think that the step back that SC took this year on offense was remotely close to the step back to, say, UCLA did, uh, which I think only further validates how good SC can be if you get the defensive coordinator higher right. That's... But, even but that's even but, with the offensive line, but you line, need to do that. You can't. Yeah, you can't just yeah. sit here and say if. Yes, it needs no, to but happen. This, but that is the, because this whole conversation got started from the fire Riley sort of sure. situation. People want to just cut ties and fire Riley. I think dis- it's frustration despite, after losing a rivalry. A game. very clear yeah. path forward that doesn't have to involve firing the head coach. Sure, it's very simple. Hire yeah. a good defensive coordinator, right? Uh, but, and, but I think and and give your offensive line time yes. to develop talent that you had to rebuild. It was it was the it was the single most untenable position on the field for USC. Yeah, uh, was the offensive line, and unfortunately, it's the one that you can't just snap your fingers and fix in the transfer portal. So you have to be patient yeah, with your, but, but even with an offensive line this year, that it, that is just not at the level that USC needs to be. Right. They still go out and average 41.8 points. But, per but game. I think, I think this, this is the thing though, is I, I, again, I think it, the, so much of the stuff with the, the Lincoln Riley frustrations, which I think is more than warranted after the UCLA game is because it's not just isolated to the defense. We can yeah. look at the lack of effort against UCLA on both sides of the ball. Which we can look at the the offensive struggles against UCLA. Um, the the two games that SC gets truly just beaten on the score line were the two games that the offense played the gigantic role in. Uh, Notre Dame and UCLA, the the two rivalry games in which they do all those. Uh, things that that you know plummets their ability to compete in those games 
even if the defense wasn't horrible uh, in those games to the point where they could have competed in those games if it wasn't for the turnovers, if it wasn't for not finishing off drives. But um, those things are there. And that's why I think there, if we're talking about SC being a national championship winning team, it's more than just fixing the defense. The issue, yes. but but the defense is the first major step. Yes, but I think that people are writing off the program after a season that turns that went south. Yeah, and misconstruing a season that turned south for this is what the program is, and this is what the program will always be, and there is no fixing those yeah. things. Different teams have different compositions, and sure. some you know. I, I'm going to be honest. I want to see the team put up a better effort than USC put in, in the UCLA game. Yeah. But I also understand psychology. And I also understand that I went into the UCLA game completely and utterly just, ugh. And so I'm not going to sit here and say that I am shocked or stunned that a bunch of, that a bunch of dudes who just went through uh, the same month of absolute just demoralization couldn't possibly have gone into the UCLA game with that demoralization finally taking root because they fought against Utah and they fought against Washington and they fought against Oregon yeah. and they tried and they lost. And eventually, eventually you just, you just hit that wall and Lincoln Riley has, has stated that he needed, he needs to figure out how to, um, manage a team better in terms of in terms of preventing them from from hitting that wall. But the fact that they hit that wall should not surprise us, given what happened in in this season, given what the expectations were, yeah. and and all of that. Um, it's just the reality of the situation. It's just the reality of college football. This is this is the way that things go when you're dealing with teams that are shifting and changing every year because of graduations and yeah. and new players and all of that kind of stuff. You're constantly juggling different different mentalities and you have to get ones that fit. And it takes time to build a program that is capable of withstanding the downfall of this kind of season. Yeah. All right. Uh let's get to over under. Uh we uh had picks to make. Uh, before the UCLA game, so uh, let's get to those. So you're going over. I'm feeling bold. Give me that over. I go under. I gotta take an under here. I got three unders to take. I'm gonna do an under here. All right. We start with the pre-week standings. I had a four-game lead on you. I had 36 and 30 was my record. You were at one, uh, 32 and 34. Uh, first over/under for you was over/under. 238.5 UCLA rushing yards. Uh, I uh, took the under on this. I was a little confident for some reason. I, I think the, I think I just thought the line was high, right? Um, it ended up being under. It was 199. Um, and in our little rundown, you put they're only under in 200 yards because of the kneel downs on the last plays of the game. <laughs> Yeah, um, the funny thing was I flirted with this line being 199.5, which would have just been that would have uh, been the chef's worst. kiss. But yeah. USC had been giving up, like, the, the 
I couldn't just go with 200 because it was going to be too easy for you to go with the over. Sure. But I should have just done it because obviously the under would have hit there. But yeah, yeah, they're only under 200. USC allowed 200 yards rushing to five opponents um, this season. It's kneel downs away from being six. Yeah. All right. uh, Let's go to the next one. Uh, I said over under 2.25. Layatu Latu tackles for loss. Uh, he came into the game leading uh, in tackles for loss. You took the over. Uh, it was under. It was under at two. He had exactly two. Uh, he was just barely under that. Uh, so that's a that's a win for me. Two yeah. yeah, that one's that one's tough. Yeah, uh, tough one for you. Uh, your next over under was over under two hundred ninety nine point five. Caleb Williams passing yards. Uh, I slammed the over on this one, uh, and it was over. He was way over. He threw for 384 because uh, Alicia Essie had 387 total yards in this game. 384 were through the air. It, it, it just goes to show what an incredible quarterback he is that he was able to throw for 384 yards in a game where his offensive line was absolutely eaten alive. Yeah. All right, uh, let's go to my next over-under, which is over-under two and a half USC sacks. Uh, you took the over. Uh, UCLA had been given up uh, or allowing three-plus uh, in every game in Pac-12 play, so you took the over, uh, and it was over. SC got their, their sack game finally uh, on board. Uh, the Trojans got three. They would have had four, but the Bear Alexander sack was for zero yards, which means it didn't count. It wasn't a sack. Yeah, that's that's rough. Yeah. Uh, let's go to uh, the next one. You said over under one and a half Kyle Ford catches. Uh, I took the over on this. Uh, Alicia, it was uh, under. He had zero. Zero catches. Yeah. Uh, for Kyle Ford. I, I think it's a disappointing season for Kyle Ford, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but you know, it was a disappointing season for Dorian Singer, too. So. No, absolutely. Uh, Transfer it, portal doesn't always work uh, going in yeah. or going out. Yeah, 100%. Um, my last one was over under 27 and a half UCLA points. Uh, you hit the over confidently on this one, uh, and you do get it correctly because they had 38 points. Uh, UCLA had, uh, I think, 17 total against the Desert Schools. Uh, 38 against USC. Yeah. They had 14 in the first quarter. Um, for the season, uh, for the week, we each went 3-3. Three and three, And for the season, uh, I am now up to 39-33. and 33, And you were 35-37. and 37, So still a four-game lead there. Uh, and this is when we tell people that we're horrible people. And um, we did all of our episode prep with the exception of running what you guys did on the over-under. I, I realized this at like 4.53 when we were about to start the episode. Uh, so I'm sorry. Uh, we're going to have to circle back to the over-under and, and uh, let you know where the standings are uh, as we get ready before SC's bowl game. So, uh, yeah, hope, hope, hopefully we'll, 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 get an, we'll get an update on GPAT and Vince and... Uh, in, in we're just San we're just Diego. drawing out the suspense, you know. We've got a we've got yeah. a whole month uh, plus uh, until USC plays another football game, 
Right. And and in between that, there's just there's there's recruiting, but then you know bull prep, all of this kind of stuff. Uh, we uh, we'll we'll let you guys know in in our next episode. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. All right, let's get to the mailbag, shall we? You've got mail. All right, let's start uh, with a email that we got from Andrew in Lisbon. Curious facts, 2012 and 2023, so many parallels. The biggest one, quote, as I said, we still do have some unfinished business. Andrew in Lisbon. I'm, I'm just saying that the term unfinished business is, is, is cursed. It's not good. It should be struck from, uh, from all USC-related things. Uh, and every time I see it now, in every other context, I cringe. It just bad juju. Yeah, bad bad juju. That should be uh, on the orientation packet <laughs> when you come to USC as a as an athlete. Uh, if you're a transfer I, or a freshman or whatever, but, just do not use those words together. So I look at this two ways. One, yes, I agree. The other side about it, I. I think we need to give grace for people who maybe weren't around. Uh, one of my favorite YouTube channels that I watch all the time now is called Box to Box Soccer. Like it's a, it's a soccer channel, and they're these young kids who make great con- like their stuff is literally great. Like it's genius. All these games and content bits that they put together. They were talking about an episode, something about like. You know, we know that none of our listeners were old enough to watch David Beckham play. And like part of me died by <laughs> hearing that sentence. But like I like I think that there's some validity to it when you talk about like the the when you talk about students. Students that started SC, a lot of them we talk about this with recruits all the time. Like recruits don't watch college football for the most part. Like a lot of them don't watch college football. A lot of kids get to SC without the history that you and I had of watching SC football growing up. Mm -hmm. Um, How many people were a fan of their childhood team if they were out of state and then they come to SC and then they become uh, an SC grad and then are all into going to SC games or whatever. So you, you lack the context of the historical context of these things there. You also have to be extremely online. <laughs> yes, you have to be online, but also I think that you have to talk about like people who maybe work for the, for the school that weren't around at the time, because there was the uh, USC football um, themselves put out a video ahead of the Notre Dame day, the Notre Dame game talking about the Bush push and they never mentioned they fourth, never and nine. Had like, fourth and nine. Fourth and nine. The, the clip just didn't include fourth and nine at all. It included like the beginning of the drive, but not fourth and nine. And yeah. it was mind boggling to me. Yeah. And uh, the more I thought about it, there's w- one of two answers. It's a young kid who wasn't alive or probably was alive, but like was a kid at the, when that game happened and doesn't remember, like didn't have the, the contextual understanding of the game or it's somebody who edited the thing who, you know, is new to working at SC or whatever, and doesn't have the contextual knowledge of the thing either. And so I think we have to understand that those people exist. Uh, and so people are going to say things that are triggering like unfinished business 
even though like you and I, and I think a lot of the people listening to this podcast remember 2012, there's also a lot of people who don't because they weren't, they weren't here yet. Whether that be for young reasons or they were, they're new to the program or whatever it is, right? Like. I, I get that, but it's still, it's still bad juju. Yeah. I just, no, yeah. I, 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 I agree. I agree. Yeah. Uh, email from Tony. And Denora PA. Uh, hi, Alicia and Michael. Hey, I'm not going to go over this season today, but I believe that what I think Lincoln must do to get this program uh, back um, is in my previous emails. I watched a few podcasts on YouTube, and we are getting crushed. Most so-called experts don't believe he can get this program back to the top of college football. Boy, do I hope they are wrong. I'm done for now. You guys have a happy Thanksgiving. Fight on, Tony. Uh, there was a message in the chat I saw earlier, too, that, like, the national narrative, the national sentiment uh, is very anti-USC, anti-Lincoln-Riley. You go on Reddit right now, like there's a USC post, like 20% of the posts are about SC and Lincoln-Riley and they're all like things that, you know, the national sentiment is very much out on Lincoln-Riley and SC. Yeah, and uh, that's because national sentiment loves a train wreck. That's why yeah. everybody loved to pile on, uh, and USC fans can't um, absolve themselves from this because USC fans were piling on Colorado as, as, yeah. uh, as the Deion Sanders show sort of fell apart in Texas the, the latter half of this season. Yeah. Texas A&M, yeah, they, they love a train wreck, and this was right. a train wreck for USC this year. Um, but ultimately, they don't matter. They don't matter. It's It's what USC turns around and does, and if if Lincoln Riley goes out and hires a big-name defensive coordinator, guess what? Everyone will sit back and completely ignore everything they said about how Lincoln Riley should just pack it up and leave and talk about how, right. oh, this is, a, this is a big boy move from Lincoln Riley, and this is the, the, the thing that proves that he's finally taking defense seriously, even though the idea that he never took defense seriously is silly to me. He's a head coach. He understands what, you know, yeah. like it, what football is about and... Uh, he put his faith in the wrong defensive coordinator, but that doesn't mean that he doesn't take defense seriously when he went out and hired Ohio State's defensive coordinator the last time he had to hire yeah. a defensive coordinator. So uh, I, I think sports fandom and sports talk are both, they both have amnesia um, in a lot of ways. Um, and then they also like, it, it's, it's, there's amnesia and there's also remembering everything, right? Like, mm -hmm. uh, because Let's say that tomorrow, who's the best possible, whoever the best possible person that you think should be the defensive coordinator hire, right? Like, let, let's say it's Jim Leonard and SC hires them tomorrow. Go on a USC message board and every reply will be like gifts of like, you know, of of Jonah Hill in, um, in Moneyball doing the like yeah. thing or like, you know, people just losing their minds like kaboom and super excited and people are back on like, cause, cause that's how, that's how quickly it, it, mm -hmm. it happens. Right. Like, um, people want a reason to root for things and people want a root reason to tear down things. Um, whether it's your team, whether it's somebody else's team, whether it's whatever, like, cause those are things that are interesting. That's what we as humans are compelled to do, right? Like mm -hmm. we're compelled to talk shit about other people and we're compelled to believe in things that we want to believe in. Like, like that's what our nature is to do. Um, and so, yeah, absolutely. Like, 
you know, there, there's there's not going to be a lot of buzz around USC that's positive right now. Um, but if, you know, things turn around, uh, and like if, if SC goes out and makes the right, you know, DC higher, then, you know, uh, Kenny in the chat mentioned earlier that like the uh, look at Michigan in 2020, right? Michigan in 2020 was at the bottom of the barrel. They went, what, two and four in the COVID season mm-hmm. or whatever, whatever that was. Mm-hmm. People wanted to fire um, Jim Harbaugh, and then he started stealing signs. And so maybe, (laughs) maybe this is the thing. That's what Lincoln needs to do. Lincoln needs to, you know, Connor Stallions is available. Uh, Maybe maybe that's the the game plan. I don't know. But uh, yeah, things can change. Look, look as as quickly as things went bad for Lincoln Riley, they can go good, uh, but they can continue to get bad too. Uh, Look at the, look at the Jimbo Fisher era at Texas A&M, right? Like, you know, it's it's alarming that all this stuff is negative, but like, that's their challenge to turn it around, right? Yeah, it's absolutely your challenge to turn it around. Uh, let's get to a voicemail we got um, from Scott in Memphis. Guys, this is Scott from Memphis, and I'm going to give a dose of reality for next year. I'm looking at the 2024 schedule, and what I'm seeing is probably seven and five, eight and four, eight and four, and I'll be truthful with you. I don't want Oregon and Washington to be coming to the Big Ten. That's all done. But at the time when everybody was going, oh, we need to get more Pac-12 teams to come to the Big Ten. Oh, Oregon, I'm going to miss it. No, because we have to play at Washington, and that game probably would have been substituted if Washington hadn't gotten into the Big Ten by, like, Indiana. I mean, the Pac-12 is the best conference, and we're seeing it. And that's part of the reason why we were seven and five. We've been obviously four of the losses were Pac-12 teams, but the Big Ten is probably not far off, especially now that we got two of the other best Pac-12 teams in. And Oregon is not going anywhere. They're going to be good. Washington is going to be good. It's becoming more difficult next year, in my opinion. Not easier. We better recruit. And we better get a machine and get the line straightened out because it's going to get brutal. And by the end of next year, we'll be having different discussions. Anyway, fight on, and hopefully I'm wrong. I want to be completely wrong. Take care. Have a good Thanksgiving. Thanks for the, thanks for the call, Scott. Yeah, I, I think that I wanted Oregon and, and Washington in the Big Ten for nostalgic reasons. You want friends. You, you, you want people you know um, you want to be able to have somebody else on the on the west coast and all those things but at the same time um, 100% I, I think that it does change things because look at where Oregon and Washington are right now I think that we would both say that both of those programs are ahead of SC um, whether it's one step ahead or three steps ahead is whatever argument you want to have, but they are ahead of SC and you go in the pecking order. It would be easier for SC if it was Michigan, Ohio state, Penn state, then SC in the big 10. And now you slot in Oregon and Washington among those. And then you get to SC Um, and you're not even including like Iowa too, right? Like I, I do think that that makes it more difficult in that sense. Well, I mean, the schedule next year was going to be a lot easier without Washington and Oregon on the table. Um, now you add Washington and Oregon, and that that looks tough. But at the same time, I'll add 
Oregon is losing Bo Nix. We don't know what they're going to be at at quarterback. Washington is losing Michael Penix. We don't know what they're going to be at uh, at quarterback. All of these teams are are uncertain to a point. LSU is going to have a new quarterback, by the way, as well. Um, Michigan might have a new head coach. They might be penalized. They might be what there's there's other things that are going on there. Yeah. Um, when you look at, at the schedule, yes, I get why there's the instinct to sit there and say, well, that's a loss, that's a loss, that's a loss. Notre Dame, also, new quarterback. Um, but the I, I, I think it's too early to truly judge what this schedule looks like. Uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not looking ahead at this point and judging anything because... We looked ahead this season and didn't think that Arizona was going to be a ranked football team, and right. there they are. Um, we looked ahead this year and thought that Cam Rising would be playing football for Utah, and he is not. Um, we looked ahead this year and thought UCLA would be something drastically different than what they are, even if the the, the record probably is exactly the same as what I would have predicted. Uh, they're drastically different uh, for for from the team that I expected them uh, to be this year. So right. um, when you look ahead to the, the schedule in 2024, we don't know what what Wisconsin will do further down the line with Fickle. We don't know if they're going to turn a corner. We don't know what Michigan... Michigan is completely uncertain, completely and utterly uncertain. We don't know what Penn State's going to be. We don't know what... Washington and Oregon and UCLA and Notre Dame are going to be. There's so many things that all of those teams need to sort out as well. Is Nebraska going to turn a turn a corner under Matt Rule? We genuinely no idea, zero yeah. idea. Is USC going to turn a corner and and transform the defense quickly? Is it going to take more time? I don't know. Nobody knows. So. Yeah. I don't well, like looking ahead at the, at that schedule and saying, yeah, it's definitely seven five. It might be seven and five. It might be five and seven. It might be two and ten. I don't for for all I know, it, it might be ten and two. I, right. I I could not tell you right now. Well, looking at next year's schedule, the difference with Oregon and Washington being a part of it, a part of the conference, the teams that were removed from next year's schedule are Northwestern, Purdue, Illinois, and Iowa. I would go out on a limb and say that SC would have been favored against at least three of those, if not four. Um, the schools that have been added to the schedule for next year are Nebraska, Rutgers, Washington, Minnesota. I would say that SC is probably favored against two of those, two of those probably, uh, maybe at least it could be up to three. As, as it stands now, so like, yeah, I, I think that the, we can we can sit here and say that the schedule got harder with with Oregon and Washington for sure. Um, but to your point, a year ago, um, we wouldn't have said this about where SC was because things can change. Things can change up and down. Uh, you're thinking, you know, we didn't foresee Arizona being an Oregon State win away in this in the Civil War away from going to the Pac-12 championship game, right? Um, uh, things can change in in a in a hurry, but as it stands right now, I think that yeah, next year is absolutely concerning. Uh, you've got to you have to get the defense right. You got to get the defense right. You you got to figure out a way to 
uh, manage all these close games because SC played so many close games. If they would have won all the close games, but uh, I, things would be much different. But they didn't win them. Win them all. They won some of them, but not all of them. And and that's the thing is USC has to USC's ability to navigate this schedule. Yeah. And there won't be national title expectations next year if if anybody's being reasonable and fair. Mm-hmm. Um, but in order to navigate the schedule competently, you have to get the defense right in terms of they have to be not the worst thing that we've ever seen in our lives. Right. And you got to have a quarterback who follows the standard Lincoln-Riley trajectory of solid quarterback play, if nothing else. Because USC's offense, I mean, again, Caleb Williams covers up a lot of sins, but Lincoln-Riley is a 40-point offense and has fielded a 40-point offense every year of his coaching tenure. If USC can stay up around a 40-point offense, this schedule looks a whole lot more manageable if you have a defense that's not a complete disaster. I think of uh, when I think of incredibly difficult schedules, uh, next year's schedules, absolutely one of those uh, that I consider. Uh, but then I look at like the list of uh, I look at other times that I felt that way about schedules. One of those was this year with Arizona. Uh, I think it was Michael Lev who covers Arizona um, mm-hmm. for was it the the Daily Star in um, in Tucson. After this, I think it was before the Stanford game, he said something along the lines of, and I wish somebody, I, I wish I had time to pull up this tweet, something along the lines of like, you know, Arizona fans need to enjoy the Stanford week because they might not win again. Um, because after Stanford, Arizona played number seven, Washington, number nine, USC, number 19, Washington State, number 11, Oregon State, number 19 UCLA at Colorado and number 22 Utah. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six of seven of those games are ranked, ranked opponents. It's like the Washington, like Arizona was going to lose them all. They won five of those seven games and the two that they lost, they should have beaten SC uh, and they lost to Washington by a touchdown. Uh, a Washington team that is undefeated right now, ranked number four in the country. So they responded. And then I think of the the other time that the craziest schedule I've ever seen was Notre Dame 2012. Uh, Notre Dame goes on the road at Michigan State. They host Michigan. They play Miami, Stanford, BYU, at Oklahoma, uh, at SC. They went 12-0. So I, I, I'm i not saying SC is going to do that next year. What I'm saying is I think so many times you end up thinking that something is going to be the way it is the year before I mean, just think or about, the time before, and it ends up not being what you think. Think about 2016. None of the teams that we thought would, would be great that season, well, uh, the, the front, the, the, the front the, Alabama and Stanford, certainly. But the, the back end, we, we looked at the final month of that schedule and said, oh, my gosh, that's well, that we, is. We said that the schedule was a reverse hamburger. Yeah. And and USC ended up playing an Oregon team that was down, a UCLA team that yeah. was down, a Notre Dame team that was down, and a Washington team that was highly ranked, but under also a Washington team well, that was. Washington, that Washington went to the playoff. A, a but, bit of a paper tiger in the playoff, though. They went to the playoffs. They did. Um, 
Th- yeah, they, they were n- they were eleven and one in the regular season. They went to the playoff, but the rest of November, yeah, we thought Oregon was going to be good, and they were four and eight. We thought UCLA was going to be good, and they were four and eight. We thought Notre Dame was going to be good, and they were four and eight. Uh, so yeah, things things can change. Uh, I'm not saying and that they're going Colorado to. We thought Colorado would be terrible, and they were quite they good. Were good that so year. Yeah. again, that's that's all I'm saying. <laughs> I'm not making a judgment one way or another. I'm I'm leaving yeah. open all possibilities. Yes, it might be bad. But I also want people to consider the idea, too, that it might also be a whole lot easier than you expect it because literally we don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's get to the chat in the old YouTubes. Uh, Tim in the, in the chat says, Michael, I must be losing my mind because you're the third person I, I respect that has said that USC should have lost the Arizona game. Didn't USC miss a chip shot field goal at the end of the game? Yeah, they did. I, I think that. I genuinely think that SC and Arizona both feel like they should have won that game both in regulation and in overtime at different spots. Um, I think Arizona should have won that game. I think SC should have won that game in regulation. Like, yeah. Neither – it should not have gotten to 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 triple overtime like it did. Uh, Arizona should have gone for, for um, a two-point conversion at the end of a real overtime. Um, there were, you know – Plenty of, of instances, I think both teams had a million chances uh, in that game. And that's that's mostly when I say that Arizona should have won that game. See, uh, and I think that's where you're, you use should where I would say could. Not um, sure. But that's... Sh- sure. But, you know, uh, should I say that SC should have lost? Would that have been better? Could have lost. USC could have lost that game sure, easily. Certainly could have lost. But I, I also think that like SC should have the SC should have won that game 31-28, but they didn't. Yeah. And Arizona, you know, should have gotten more out of that game, but they didn't. Yeah. But both teams, I think, look back at that game and wish that it finished differently than it did. I know that SC won the game, obviously, but SC could have won it in a way where it wasn't nearly as sloppy and bleh as it was. Uh, and Arizona could have could have won. They could have not blown a seventeen nothing lead. Also, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, let's go to other questions in the chats. Um, we did get an earlier super chat from Fighting on MC. We we missed this. Cheers, uh, Fight on. You both are appreciated. You're appreciated too. Uh, we appreciate you. Um, Alex says, "How much did the defense improve without Alex Grinch, if any?" Um. I don't. I don't think. It I did. don't think we expected it to improve. To, I, I don't, to be I don't fair, think it did. Uh, the defense was. I, I think that the, the defense seemed to me to try to keep things in front of it a little bit more after Alex Grinch, but it, the defense was How just can you say straight that up against the Oregon game, though. I mean, fair, fair, but but like <laughs> a lot of the Oregon game was things where guys were not tackling and they they were in front of it. Like what we saw the last two weeks were the same thing that we saw. Yeah. All season. So you don't, you don't, you don't fix your defense by firing your defensive coordinator. That, that's the one thing like people who want to like get on Lincoln Riley of like, how did like he should have fired the defensive coordinator sooner and all of this kind of, like he should have fired him after the, the, the Utah game or the Notre Dame game or whatever, whatever it was like, like, I get that sentiment, but the, also the Lincoln, Lincoln Riley was Lincoln Riley was correct to probably look at it and say 
there is no point in firing my defensive coordinator until the end of the season because your defense is not going to get better with the same staff that you had in place with guys who probably aren't capable of turning it around in the span of a week. Like, it just... It's yeah, just the way but, it goes. But but yeah, which is why like you should have fired him after the after the cotton bowl. and the the cotton bowl. Yeah. yeah, that's your window to fire him. And if you didn't do that, then you're stuck. Yeah, uh, fighting on MC says, is there a chance that Taylor Mays is kept since he just got a field assistant position? I mean, sure. I I, I think that there's a chance that anybody could stay or leave at this point. Certainly of um, the of the analysts and and all of that, but um. His connection to USC is probably his best argument to to get retained with a new staff. But I also I I don't know I don't know that that's um yeah I, I that that's something that necessarily is we can predict because it, I, I does think he the, want to stay also is the, whoever the the new defensive coordinator is should make all the hires if that includes Taylor Mays then it includes Taylor Mays well I if will, it doesn't it 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 doesn't. Taylor Mays should not be a full-time assistant at USC, I, in my opinion, at this point. I it's think ideally like, you'd want somebody who is who is proven and done things at every yeah, level. So, yeah. yes. If Taylor Mays but wants I, to stay on as, a, as an analyst or as a grad assistant, whatever, yeah. I'm all on board. At the same point, if you end up getting a, a defensive coach who uh, – a, a defensive coordinator who, say, their purview is the – the safeties uh like that's their their niche is the, the safeties and then you had taylor mays uh and he helped you along and this was your ability to like develop him as a coach and that would be a different scenario but again it what is it going to be the best forever whoever this defensive coordinator is because that's that's what it's going to come down to uh let's go to a voicemail we got from uh, dan in valley village hey Raina troy it's dan from valley village uh, I wanted to call and thank you guys. You guys have been so rad this season and have been therapists for all of us, uh, dare I say, I speak for the group in saying that. And specifically for myself, when I am beyond frustrated or beyond confused, and you guys have lended a, uh, a helping hand and clarified where where I, I, I fail to put words to uh, my thoughts. And I just wanted to take a second to tell you that because at the end of this uh, car cast, I could sense that you guys were just toast, either with the fact that you guys have done a, an enormous amount of work, but also just with the season. And I just want to say thank you. Um, and also highlight for the rest of the fan base that we we can only do the one thing that um, my uh, kid, my three-year-old, uh, summed up perfectly right here. I Love you. Oh, that was adorable. Uh, that was that was the best. And 
Jesse agrees. <laughs> Clearly, Jesse agrees. Uh, yeah, th- th- thanks. Thanks for everything, uh, Dan. We we appreciate the uh, um, the the call and the song. The song was great. Yeah, um, yeah I, I I think I think we're you know we're burnt out. I think everyone's burnt out, right? Like I I think this was. A se- just like 2012, you got to the end of the season, you're like, I need this need the season to be over. I think I think everybody, um, I'm 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 fried talking about it. I know that. I think you guys are too, right? Yeah, I I mean, I've I've been I've been very done for for several weeks now, um, in terms of just energy that I have to to put in, um. Saturday, I was I was legitimately also like sick. I was yeah. Um, You're under under the weather all weekend. I was uh, yeah. My my sports mood and my just body failing me entirely were all uh, wound together. But um, I appreciate the the sentiment that um, I'm I'm glad that we provide that service. I always say this to people that I seek out podcasts to help me process my other sports teams, my uh, entertainment loves like TV shows and stuff like that. I seek out podcasts to help me process, to help me feel that sense of, um, of, of community and analysis and, and passion and all that kind of stuff. So I love that we can be that for you guys uh, when it comes to USC. It's, it's literally what makes, um, what makes this podcast wonderful. And it's the kind of thing that that makes me willing to jump on a car cast on a Saturday when I've already taken a sick day from work. And, um, and I am literally just on my last, on my last leg and still be willing to, to say, no, I like, I can't not do the podcast because the podcast is the thing that, that brings me joy <laughs> and brings me, uh, fulfillment. So we appreciate it. Thank you for calling in and sharing that. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, we, we do this for you guys. Um, Michelle says, will a good DC want to go to USC with Riley on the hot seat? Takes a minimum two years to fix a Grinch defense and not much coming in on D, uh, this recruiting class. Uh, yeah, I, my, I, my- I, 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 I think a, a good DC, want, especially I, I think a, DC, a defensive coordinator wants to be backed by an offense that can score points, right? Like you, you want that, the run support. And that's something that we know that SC can provide, right? Yes. Uh, I think many, many defensive coordinators will look at USC as an opportunity to field a defense when you know your offense is actually going to score points. You look around the country, there are teams that have good defenses that cannot count on their offense yeah. to put up enough points to give them a chance to to win. Um, what I will say is my hot take is this. Lincoln Riley is not on the hot seat. And any defensive coordinator that is interested in this job can look at one thing. Lincoln Riley reportedly signed a 10-year contract worth upwards of $100 million. USC does not have oil barons who are going to bail out that contract. So while USC, uh, you know, while after year four or maybe year five, USC might be in a position to say, no, we've given up. We're done with the Lincoln Riley era. I do not think that USC is in a position to move on from Lincoln Riley anytime soon, unless somebody shells out a ridiculous amount of money for it. Um, so I don't think that should scare off any defensive coordinator at all. If USC is serious about getting a 
about competing for the the names that are on the table right now suggest that USC is serious about competing for defensive coordinators. Yeah. Salary wise, um, if USC is willing to pay top dollar for a defensive coordinator, that will matter more than the sensation that Lincoln Riley is somehow on the hot seat when USC would have to pay a buyout that's in on par with what Jimbo had, mm-hmm. uh, which I can already tell you right now. It it does just mean more in the SEC. The the Texas A and M buyout yeah, is, is I, ridiculous, and and I don't think USC would pay something like that. Yeah, I I I understand the sentiment of like you know Lincoln Riley's on the hot on on the proverbial hot seat nationally, where people are doubting his ability to turn things around. That national perspective is very much out on on Lincoln Riley right now. I get that. I don't know that a coach, I, I, I think that there would be some concern, but I think the concern would be more so if this was year four, five, where it he was constantly weathering the storm and gone through a couple of defensive coordinators or something like that. Like I I think that if you're the you're this great defensive coordinator, I think you have the arrogance to sit there and think I can fix this. I can be the one who comes in and, you know, fix this mess. Um, and you go in there and you, you do it. It's, it's sort of the same thing with recruiting, right? Like, yes, I think recruiting is better when you have a great situation and all those things at the same time, you can also pitch the idea that come in right now. And this, this, this is your opportunity to do things. So different people are going to see the situation differently. Um, there will be people interested. There will be people that this turns away. Absolutely. I, I think that the level of names that people have talked about so far, when there was the, you know, the tweet from Jason Shear about Jim Leonard and, and Jeff Collins, like those are not, you know, th- those are not average Joes in, in terms of defensive coordinators. So it's not like, the only pickings that you have are bad ones because of the, of this proverbial hot seat kind of stuff. So, yeah. Uh, last question before we wrap this thing up. Uh, Cameron Frisco, Texas says, what are your thoughts on the Las Vegas Grand Prix uh, that happened on Saturday night? Alicia, you did not watch it. You were, I, you were I watched well. the first three laps, Maybe if that I watched until there was a safety car called or whatever it was, yeah, I did not make it any further. I I dragged myself to bed and I said, "No, Alicia, just go to sleep." And then I slept. So, um, yeah, I, you I can think speak on it. The um the bar was low, and it not only answered the bell to where the bar was. Uh, it was one of the best races of the year, legitimately. Um, and I think that is a big testament to uh, volatility. And so much of that has to do with like the tires are weird. Uh, there was uh, that created some sort of, you know, a, a wrinkle of chaos. There was way more racing, I thought, than, than, than there was going to be. So, yeah, I, I, I thought it was good. It, Max wins the race but he had to fight for it uh it wasn't a race in which he just ran away in the front and never looked back he had to fight for this thing he had to he had to overtake for the win so i i think that's that's what you want to see 
It was a good race. Yeah, of course it was a good race because I because you didn't watch. I it. couldn't stay up to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, we will be back uh, next week. That's it. That's it for us this week. There we um, holiday weekend's coming up. Uh, long holiday week. I am going on vacation with a like a little little boys trip. Uh, so we'll be back next week. Um, what are we looking at? Wednesday, Wednesday next week? Next Wednesday? Yeah. 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 We'll be back. We'll, next- we'll be back next Wednesday. Um, if stuff breaks between now and then, um, we'll see sort of how that shakes out and whether yeah. or not we can we can put so, throw something together. Uh, uh, but uh, but yeah. We'll be we'll have a planned episode on next Wednesday. Yeah, for sure. Uh, all right. Uh, until next time, we will see ya. See ya. See ya. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy th- Thanksgiving sucks. Let's be yeah. honest. It's the worst holiday there is. It's 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 a terrible holiday. See ya. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.